Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Jason Gardner, and I will be filling in for Kevin this morning. Uh, Kevin asked me about three weeks ago if I would be interested in filling in for him while he was gone. So as you guys know, there are all, there's uh, several people from here and from just around the community that are in Israel on an awesome trip. And I wish we were there with them, but I'm hoping that they will bring back some good information and some videos and stuff that we can all see and share. You know, it's pretty amazing how Kevin and Ty are always dogging each other, badgering each other back and forth about Texas and about Montana and which one's better. I don't, how many natives do we have in here from Colorado? Isn't it funny to you that they're sitting here badgering who's better and they're in Colorado? They have arrived. I can say that. I just find that interesting. I, you know, I never say anything. Never get in the middle of it because we already won. We already won. They just haven't figured it out yet. A little slow, but they'll get it. Anyway, piggybacking off of what Kevin said, he was talking about good medicine and being friends. And if you guys remember, Galatians six verse two kind of sums it up. It says, "Share each other's burdens." And then also he used Galatians six four, which says, "Carry your own load." That's interesting. So we need to be there for others, plus we also need to do our part. So I titled the message today, In Focus, or Focus In. And what I want to talk about, there's three different words that we're going to discuss and what we're going to define and kind of go over that's going to, hopefully by the time I'm done, is going to bring it all together for you so you can understand where I'm coming from. So focus. When I think about focus, and I'm going to date myself and age myself, and I know I look younger or, you know, than I really am. That's for darn sure. Back in the day, and those, for those of you that have never seen this or don't know what I'm talking about, they used to have these things called cameras that you actually had to put film in. And you'd have to advance the film to take pictures. They didn't have a little screen on the back so that you could see what you're taking a picture of. And if you didn't like that picture, you could delete it and go to the next one. You actually had to pray that you had it in focus. So you would just, by blind faith, Take this camera, load your film in it that you had to pay for, load the film in there, take your pictures, hope it was focused, hope you got the right light and everything before um, you took the shot. Once you were done, once that film was full, you would actually remove it from the camera and you'd have to mail it in or take it to the drugstore or whatever and have it developed and pay to have it developed. So all this is a good example of blind faith. You're just hoping and praying that those pictures come out because that was a good memory that you want to keep track of for the rest of your life. So you're excited, you go pick up the film that was developed, you open the package and maybe it was overexposed and they're all ruined. That's what we had to deal with back in the day. And it, to me, I spent a lot of money and I used to get so aggravated at these cameras that it is amazing the technology we have now where you can just take selfies or whatever you want to take and you don't like it, you delete it, do it again and you can see exactly instant gratification right there whether you like it or not. So focus is very important, and that's one of the things that I'm going to highlight today. And according to so what is focus? So I looked up in Webster's Dictionary, and I use Webster a lot. Uh, Webster was a, a Christian man, and the old Webster's Dictionary, before they got legalistic and started putting weird definitions in there, but the old Webster's Dictionary defines focus as a center or activity, attention, or to concentrate. That's pretty self-explanatory. If you want to focus on something, then you need to pay attention to what you're focusing on. 
And I'll give you a good example for me, perspective. I, I, to little, let me back up a little bit. To give you a little bit about my background, I'm from Granby. Now, that's a small mountain town up here by Winter Park Ski Area, by Grand Lake. That's where I grew up. Born and raised there, five generations on the same homestead. Pretty awesome. But when I was growing up, I say that now, when I was growing up, I couldn't wait to get off of the place. You know, it's, we, we had a lot of ranches. Our family owns big ranches in Kremlin. Uh, we had a lot of family everywhere. So we did a lot of calving different. Down here, I thought it was really strange that you guys all calved down here in February. We didn't calve until the end of May, early part of June, because we were still getting snow there. If we calved in February, we'd lose them all up there. So it was just different getting to see how you guys do things, how we did things. So my whole goal when I was growing up, and I was the youngest of seven, my whole goal was to leave home, get the heck out of there, and do what I wanted to do. At that time, I wanted to, I was an athlete, and I wanted to play football. Um, I got a scholarship for football, and I actually gave my, I turned it down uh, for other reasons. I actually turned it down for a, a cute little blonde, and before everybody says, oh, how sweet, it wasn't my wife, so don't even go there. I, I turned my scholarship down so I could stay with her in Colorado, and I ended up playing baseball at UNC instead. And it, to me at the time, I was doing what I wanted. I was focusing on me, and I wanted, I wanted to achieve great things, and I can't do it in Grand County. I can't do it in Granby. I got to get out of the county to go do that. Well, after going to school for five years and spending 70-plus thousand dollars on an education in sports med, I worked in a hospital for some time as a cardiac rehab, and, and it just didn't work out. I mean, I didn't like the Denver area. I didn't like all the people. It just wasn't me. So we ended up moving back to Granby, and I ended up right back where I started. So I was a, an avid hunter. We grew up hunting. Um, a lot of our meat that we ate was provided from what we shot in the field. We didn't eat our beef. We, we hunted, so we ate a lot of wild game. We weren't trophy hunters by any means. It was all by necessity, and we ate everything. And that's how I raised my kids. We used to get in trouble when I was a kid for shooting animals for no reason. Just target practice, going out here shooting blackbirds or rabbits or gophers or whatever just for target practice. We didn't do that. We got in trouble for that. And we were taught, I was not raised in a Christian home, but I was taught good morals and ethics as a young man, and we were taught that if you're going to kill it, you will eat it. God didn't put that on this earth for you to just waste it. If you're going to kill it, you need to, to use it somehow. And that's what I've tried to express with my kids. And I know they get frustrated because I don't let them go rabbit hunting and stuff unless they're going to eat the rabbits, but they can't go out target practicing and just kill whatever they want. I, we don't do that. So with all that being said, we, we were raised in a good home, not a Christian home. Uh, we went to church, went to an Episcopalian church uh, when we were, when I was a little kid. I struggled when I was first in school, probably kindergarten, first grade, I struggled with reading. I didn't like to read out loud. I, I kind of stuttered a lot, and I just struggled with it. So when we started going to the Episcopal Church, they, they sent all the youth group downstairs, all the kids downstairs, and everybody that was probably from age 16, 17, all the way down to, you know, the kindergarten grade age, probably, They'd send us all downstairs, and there was probably 30 of us, and we'd get in a circle. They'd put all the chairs in a circle, and we'd read scriptures, and they would teach on the scriptures and all that stuff. Well, the, the instructor, the kindergarten teacher, or whatever you call her, Sunday school teacher, she thought her job was to fix my reading problem, and the way to do that was to make me read every week. All the scriptures that we went over, I read them all. Well, I can tell you, that just made everything worse, because the focus is on me. I've got all these 
junior high, high school kids trying to listen to me, making fun of me, and I mean, it just made it worse. So I say that, and I can point the finger wherever, but I say that totally ruined my love of reading. Um, I don't read anymore at all. You know, I wait till the movie comes out. That's just me. If there's a movie on it, I'll go watch it, but if you want me to sit down and read a book, it ain't gonna happen. So for me to be studying the Word, studying the Bible is a pretty amazing thing in my life at this point. And I never had a God background. I had a, a good family background, good morals, but I didn't know who God was. Now, my wife, Amanda, was raised in a Christian home. She gave her life to God when she was eight years old. I mean, she's just like the epitome of a Christian, a God kid. That's her. To me, she was always perfect. And she has, I've known Amanda since we were kids. We actually went to school together. And she, God has used her to change my life in so many ways. It's, it's unbelievable. But I am learning through this process, and it really helps when Kevin not puts me on the spot when he gives me an opportunity like this because it really makes me study and it makes me focus and dig into what the Word says. And, you know, I've done this a couple times for Kevin, and it has really taught me over the last couple of years. It has really given me a hunger for the Word, which is, I can't explain it. It's just kind of weird, but it's really cool in a sense. So I said all that to say this. I didn't know God. I, I didn't have this kind of background, but this stuff really excites me because when I read the Bible, I don't want somebody to just skim over a verse and say, oh, that, that's great, feel good stuff, that's awesome. I want to know what it means. Why did God say it the way he said it? It's not just words that you know, people are writing down. He had a purpose and a meaning of why he said it the way he did. And if he says it multiple times, then probably had to slap yourself upside the head and pay attention because there's a reason. That's the way I'm looking at the, the, the scripture nowadays, and it's just been awesome. And I encourage you guys to do the same. Kevin's job is not to stand up here and spoon feed us and give us the word and explain everything. His word is just to enlighten, you, enlighten us and encourage us, answer some questions and motivate us to study it on our own. And if you're not doing that, I recommend that you do because it's way cool. You're going to get so much out of it when you do. Okay, so now back a little bit about me. I've already covered all that. So now I'm going to go back to, we're talking about focus. We talked about focus with the camera. Another example of focus would be hunting. Um, I had an experience, and I, I'm sure a lot of you can relate. I was out hunting. I had a deer or an elk tag, a bull tag. I'm out hunting up in Grand County, um, rifle season, heavily wooded area. All the open slopes have a lot of sagebrush and stuff, so you're constantly looking around, checking things out. I'm walking up this ridge, and I see this bull elk over on a far ridge. There's a, a ravine between us, and I see him out in the open. He's grazing. So I get my binoculars out. I focus in on him, and I see exactly what I want. So I get everything ready, put everything away, and I start heading that way. I have my eyes focused on him. I'm watching everything he's doing, where he's going, make sure he doesn't see me. Just about the time I get through that ravine, get up the other side, the other ridge, I'm getting myself into position. I stop, and I'm taking my backpack and everything off, and a, a, a herd of about 10 deer just scattered, went everywhere, and the elk took off. So I lost my elk. That was my consequence. Why? Because I didn't see the deer. And I think that's how our Christian walk can be a lot of the times. We get so focused in on one thing that we really don't pay attention to what's going on around us. And as a hunter, that's not my first time hunting. I've been doing it for years, very successful at it. I'm kicking myself the whole time going, man, what an idiot, you know. I wasn't even paying attention. That's what we do when we make mistakes. We beat ourselves up. And that's kind of what I want to go through today is I just want to Bring out some points, kind of show you a little bit different perspective maybe that you haven't thought about, 
and then kind of tie it all together in the end and see if it relates to you at all. So with that being said, my first question would be, has that ever happened to anybody? And maybe it cost you something different than just an elk or a deer or anything like that. Maybe it cost you a friendship or maybe it cost you a relationship with a family member. I know I've done that as well, made mistakes and it cost me friendships and they're, they're gone. There's some things that you just can't repair. And that's one thing that we need to be paying attention to. And one of the things that really sets me back and I wanted to bring out is that the world will tell you, when we're kids, the world will tell you that you go after what you want. If you want to do that, go get it. Let no, nobody tell you you can't. You know, and I agree with that to a point. You can accomplish so many things, but if we think that we can focus on whatever the heck we want and all we have to do is go after it, I think we're going to miss a lot along the way. So is that true? Is that a true statement? Yeah, to a point, but I think there's a lot of gray area there that we need to be attentive to. <clears throat> so focused. Focus is a big one, a big one that I want to concentrate on. Another one that I want to concentrate on is purpose. Is there anybody in the room, and you don't have to raise your hand, but is there anybody in the room that has questioned some point in time, what is my purpose here on this earth? What is my calling? I know for me, I did, I've done that for years. And even today, I still do it, and I have to reel myself back in and go through what I'm talking about, but I, I've done it for years. I've had constant conversations with Amanda going, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what I'm here for. I try this, it doesn't work. I try that, it doesn't work. I go, go after this, it doesn't work. My focus is always on the guy in the mirror. I don't know if any of you have that, that struggle with that as well, but my focus has always been the guy in the mirror. I've always wanted to make him happy and go after the things that he wants. And so far, it hasn't proven to be very effective. I don't know if that's just me or if anybody else has that uh, same struggle or not, but that's one of the things that I've dealt with for many years. So focus is a key part of my, my message this morning. Another key part of it is purpose. What's your purpose? What's your calling? I've asked that many times in my life. So purpose, we need to start off by defining purpose. And again, I use Webster. And he defines purpose as to intend or plan a determination or the object of which something exists or is done. Now, for me, looking at focus and purpose together, it sounds like they're pretty similar. Almost identical, really, when you think about it. So focus and purpose are almost the exact same thing. So my next question is, all right, we have a definition of focus, we have a definition of purpose. What are we supposed to focus on? What is that purpose? What are we supposed to, check, what are we supposed to be focusing in on and spending all of our attention on? That is the million-dollar question in my mind. Well, Matthew 6, 33, I'm going to go through three different scriptures right here, and you can write them down, turn with me in, in the Bible, whatever you want to do. Um, Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So if you're going to be first in anything, sounds like you need focus. If you want to be first, you need to focus on it. Okay, so to be seek ye first the kingdom of God, sounds like we need to focus on the kingdom of God. Are you guys with me so far? Okay, the second one. 1 Corinthians 13.13 13 says, These things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So again, the greatest, the focus is on the greatest, being the greatest. The greatest is love. In order for us to be the greatest or achieve the greatest, we need to focus. So we need to focus on the first thing, which is the kingdom of God. Focus on the second thing, which is love. And then John, 
1 John 4, 8 says, but anyone who does not know God, for anyone that does not love, or hold on, excuse me, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love, which is the greatest. So out of those three verses that I just quoted, the first one is first the kingdom of God. You need to focus on that, or that would be defined maybe as your purpose. We purpose to focus on that. The second one is being the greatest, achieving the greatest, which is the third one is love. So I don't know if that makes sense, but tying it all together, it sounds to me like these three verses are telling us our focus, our purpose needs to be like God or like Jesus. We need to be love, be more like God was and love more people. That's what I get out of it. So how do we do that? How do we become more like God? How do we focus on that? How do we purpose to be like God and love others? Again, referring back to what Kevin's message was last week, Galatians 6.2 talks about bearing, sharing in each other's burdens. And this is the way that we obey the law of Christ. So to me, that sums it up. Using Galatians 6.2 and then the scriptures that I just talked about, if we focus on others first, maybe things won't be so clouded. So instead of having that pinpoint focus on what we want, maybe we should back our focus off a little bit, make it more wide, broaden our focus, and focus on helping others. I can attest that in my life, when I have not focused on me, when I have focused on others, that cloud, if you will, of what my purpose and what my goal in life, what my calling is, the cloud just kind of dissipates, and you see things so much more clear. And you start to see that, well, maybe my calling isn't what I thought it was. Maybe my calling is just to love people. And maybe that's what we're all here for. Maybe our calling is the same. Maybe our calling is to just be like God, be like Christ, and just love each other. Maybe that's all our calling is. Maybe some are called to stand up here and preach like Kevin does, but not everybody. Maybe the rest of us are just supposed to be the the hands and the feet, the arms and the legs of Christ, and just love people. I mean, to me, that's pretty simple. If we start there, if God has more for you, I think he will direct you. And it's interesting because as I start to as I started to acquire my walk with God, if you will, I don't know how else to say it, but as I started to walk that walk, I have a, a great mentor in, in Christ that has mentored me through a lot of this. And he always, one of the things that he told me that really stuck out is that God cannot steer a parked car. And I, it really opened my eyes because I st- took a step back going, all right, if I'm standing here trying to figure out what my purpose is, what my calling is, I'm not going anywhere. How can I find my direction if I'm not moving? So if I take that first step and start loving people, maybe helping with this or helping with that, maybe it's just like being here in church. We've got greeters. Daryl does a phenomenal job. Maybe your calling is just to be a greeter or to help with the snacks or help set up and tear down. I mean, Stephen does an amazing job. He and I set all this up and tear it all down, and there's no complaining ever. You know, and maybe that's all that we're called to do, but I think it will start to, once we start to, walk a walk, once we're obedient in doing something and taking that initial step, I think God can direct us at that point. Does that make sense? God can, once we're moving, he can show us which way to turn or where to go. But if we're not moving, he can't help us. And that really hit home. And I say that to my kids all the time. You know, if you're questioning about what decision to make, make a decision. Because if it's the wrong decision, God will get you out of it and he'll show you the right decision. But if you don't make a decision, nothing's going to happen. Just go. Just do something. So that was huge in my life, and I've kind of lived my life that way, 
just making a decision and going with it and just seeing where God takes it. It's pretty amazing some of the things that he puts us in, the situations he puts us in and things he gets us out of that we kind of screwed up. <clears throat> One more scripture that I want to go through is John five nineteen. Now we're called to be like God and Jesus just kind of reiterates that fact. This is Jesus talking. He says, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father, whatever the father does, the son also does. That's pretty interesting. To me, taking it literally, we should really be listening to God more in everything. In every decision that we make every day, we need to be pressing in going, God, is this what you want me to do? If not, show me. I'm going to take that step. I'm going to do this. But if that's not where you want me to go, then tell me. Show me. And he does. It's amazing how God talks to you. It's not, for me, it's not a, 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 an audible voice that you hear. It's a gut feeling. And that's one thing that we, we like to share with our youth group and our, the youth that we mentor here at Save the Cowboy. Follow your gut because your gut is the spirit. That's what's living inside of you. If you do not have peace about it, then God's trying to get your attention that that's not right. So listen to your stomach. Listen to your gut instinct. That's what we try to tell them and, and emphasize because it truly works. Another scripture is Ephesians 4.24. It says, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So God is love and we need to be more like God. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. And one of the quotes that I really like and appreciate is it says, easy things are not always the best things and the best things are not always easy. The, the, the right thing to do is never going to be easy, but it's going to be so worth it, so worth it. Okay, so we've gone through focus and we've gone through purpose, and I think we're kind of getting an idea of where we're going with this, but the third word that I want to describe is love. What is love? And again, I go back to Webster, and this one kind of threw me off. Maybe somebody can help me with this one, but I went back to Webster, and it says love is holding one's opponent scoreless in tennis. Come on, Raylan, that's better than that. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. I don't know anything about tennis, so I don't know if that's true or not. But anyway, there was a description or a, a definition of love that was about this big in Webster's, and it was good. But I found a better one for a descri the, the definition of love, and it's actually out of 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. This is pretty awesome. It says, love is patient, love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith and is always hopeful, and it endures through every circumstance. That's pretty cool. I think love pretty much sums up everything in life, really, in that one verse. That is truly how we as Christians are supposed to be walking, in love. Now, let me ask you guys, do you guys think that the majority of Christians walk in love? <laughs> I would say no. Heck no. You can see that just even on social media. I'm not a big social media guy, but we have Facebook so we can stay in contact with the posse and different things. And I like to see what my kids are doing and what they're into. So, yeah, I, I monitored a little bit. But I am appalled sometimes at how people that call themselves Christians can totally destroy somebody else on Facebook or any other social media and think it's okay. I don't understand that at all. But I think that because of the technology today that it's used a lot of times in the wrong way. And I think we need to get back 
in focus. And that's what the whole message is about today. I think we need to get back in focus on what we are supposed to focus on. And it's not us. It's actually focusing on God and working through that. So I think the, the first thing, so with all that being said, you guys are probably sitting there going, all right, Jason, just kind of clear this up. And it's kind of confusing. You went here, you went here, you went here. Can you pull it together? I'm glad that you said that because I'm going to try to pull it together. What is our purpose? I think before you can really find out what your purpose is, you have to be, first of all, you have to be what God called you to be. You have to be you. And you have to love you or accept you would be a better way of saying it. So that person that you're looking at in the mirror every morning, whenever, you need to love that person. You need to accept that that's the way God made you. There's too many people today, in my mind, there's too many people wanting to be something else. They're not happy with the way they look. They're not happy with their size, their shape, their, their nose, their ears, their chin, their double chins, their hair, their no hair. There's so many things that people want to change. And I, I don't understand that. I've never had a problem with liking myself. And I don't mean that in a weird way, but I've never had a problem. I've never really looked at it going, God, you totally screwed up. You did this wrong. You did this wrong. You did that wrong. God made you perfect the way you are. Who are we to criticize or critique his creation? That's the way I look at it. We need to appreciate the way God has made us, and you need to be proud without falling into pride and being prideful. You need to really appreciate what God has given us and given you and who you are. You are perfectly made. You are an awesome individual. You're an awesome creature made in his image. That's pretty awesome in my mind. So you need to first... Accept yourself and love yourself before you can help others. And then once you get to that point where you accept yourself and you appreciate what God has done for you, do something for somebody else, whether it's serving here or wherever it may be. Do something else. Do some volunteer time. You know, give somebody a ride to church. If you're coming to church, send somebody a note. Maybe you just need to make a phone call to talk to somebody, but maybe not talk. Maybe they just need somebody to listen. Maybe they need somebody to love them and just listen to them. But also with that being said, you have got, to, it's, it's a fine line because you have to be very careful that you're not a doormat for people either. Because when you become somebody that is caring and loving and giving, people will take advantage of that. And it, technically it's not their fault, it's yours for allowing it. So I had a struggle with that and I still do. I still deal with that all the time. I'm a very busy person and I, I coach baseball I have for 20 years and football and I'm very involved with youth and all over the place. I'm on the board for LBWA. There's so many things that we're doing. We have four kids, so it's not like I have a lot of spare time and I'm looking to fill it. There isn't any spare time. The only spare time I have is probably between midnight and five, and I try to keep that ours, but, and my wife's very good at making sure that's ours. So, But there's a lot of things that people need help with, and they come to me and ask, and I say, sure, I'll help you. And then we sit there and look at it going, I have no idea how the heck I'm going to help them. I have no time. But I committed, and on my word, so I do that. We have to say, learn how to say no. And it just so happens that a few months back, Kevin did a whole sermon on how to say no. I don't know if you guys were here for that. I would highly recommend you go back and listen to it because it helps me because I still have issues with telling people no because I want to help people and I want to be someone there that they can lean on when they need to. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when you allow that to consume a lot of your time when God's trying to show you something else, that's our fault not the person that you're helping. So we need to be very well, well, well aware of that. <clears throat> so for 
for me to wrap this up, this whole session, when I've been praying about this and working through it, God just brought all that stuff into, into my focus, brought it into my realm of thinking, because I, I do get consumed about, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing with the youth? I'm, I'm the youth director here. Am I doing the right thing for them? What else am I supposed to be doing? And I start throwing out all these questions, and God is really good, and God is awesome, because God even gave me a wife that can grab me by the the sides of the face and go, what are you doing? Focus right here, not out here. And it has been such a godsend to have her in my life because she is amazing at that. But that has helped me more than anything. And if I can express anything to you guys, when you start questioning, why are you here? What am I supposed to do next? Look there first and start focusing on God and being more like him. What would he do in this situation? And I'll bet he would step, take a step back, take the focus off of you and look at your surroundings. Like when I was elk hunting, if I would have just stopped and looked around instead of being focused on that animal, I would have seen him. I would have had a different strategy for getting around him without spooking everything and losing my animal. And I think we could avoid a lot of pain in our lives if we would do the same thing. I hope that is a little clear to you guys. I know it's a lot to consume and I know it can be really deep but it definitely changed my life just the last three weeks going through this. It's stuff that I knew already, but I wasn't really focused on it. And it's ironic that everything that I'm talking about is about focus and focusing on the right things. So my suggestion, learn how to get the focus off of yourself, learn how to be there for other people and help them through their time of need and whatever the case may be. And God will bring you into alignment with what he has for you. Pretty simple. It's not easy. Just like I said before, the easy things are not always the best things, but the best things are not always easy. So I challenge all of you to do the right thing. It's not going to be easy, but it's well worth it. All right, let's go to prayer. God, I just thank you for such a wonderful day today. Thank you for the the weather that you've given us, and I know that it's kind of selfish, Lord, that we've enjoyed such a a, a nice winter, but I know that we will pay for it in, in the end if we don't have any moisture. So, Father, I just pray that you will bring us some moisture um, if I can make my request, Lord, I pray that you just leave the wind out of it. We don't need the wind. You can keep that or send it to Wyoming where it belongs. Father, we just thank you, and we just ask for the moisture. We thank you for blessing us, Lord, and for always being with us. You are always there to love us and take care of us, and I know that just speaking for me, Lord, I ask forgiveness for just being focused on the wrong things, for being in survival mode, that all I do is focus on paying the bills and getting the things done I need to get done and not focusing on the real thing, the truth, which is you. And God, I just ask for all of us that we all learn to be more like you, Father, that we focus on you, to be more like you, to laugh more, to love more, and to just love others. We want to be a good example. and We want to be that bright, shining light in this world of darkness, Lord. Use us and show us, show us what our true calling is here. If it's nothing more than to love each other, then so be it. We'll take it and we'll do it the best that we can. Father, we just thank you, we praise you, we worship and adore you, and we ask that you bring everybody home safe from Israel. We pray that they have a, a fantastic time over there, that they bring back a lot of good stories and a lot of testimonies and share with the rest of us. Bring them home safe, and we look forward to seeing them next week. We give you all the praise and the honor and the glory, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray.